Well, let's not beat around the bush. This this is monumental. What? Hmm. Do you know, Pete? Like, I I feel like I feel like this is this is a big moment for a few reasons. Yeah. Um, which which reason are you speaking of? Well, um, it's not big because of it's like it's not a big episode number or anything <laughs> like that. Like it's episode uh, two eighty four, so that's not like you know, right. it's not a it's not a celebratory. It's not a milestone episode. It's almost like if I was to add episode fifty and episode two hundred in my head, that adds up to almost the episode that we're on. Does your wife handle your financials? Because that that math is. Uh... If you combine Titanic and Lord of the Rings, I think what you get is Jurassic Park. Uh, uh, I don't. I don't know that that's. Um, so long time, not our first guest, but certainly our most. Not re- repetitive sounds wrong. Our most <laughs> frequently appearing guest. Our most. Yeah notable guest in this mm-hmm. in in terms of of repeat appearances is mm-hmm. emily mater straight and, up yeah yeah and a like, while we, back we've, we've heard comments of like oh have her on the show more often then and even he, if you and brady don't show up even if it's just emily that's great and yeah <laughs> i'll just talk yeah. to myself for an hour and then <laughs> and then back when we did episode 200 mm-hmm. uh Emily was busy, so we got stuck with Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> we just right. sent out a request choice. for a mater, and Aaron showed up. Yeah, we're like, oh, sorry. Okay, <laughs> should have been more specific in the writer. Okay, uh, but never before have they made an appearance together, for, t- together, together. Uh, not only on our show, but anywhere. They're like. <laughs> <laughs> You know, this is like a an exclusive, an exclusive thing that's happening right now. Some people started to to theorize that maybe they were one and the same, and that it was just a really good. So we're we're tearing that down. But anyways, Pete, hello and welcome. Yes, welcome to the Movie Men Podcast. We are here today. Uh, this is a voted episode. Uh, this is not because Jurassic Park is 30 years old, which is a bit of a cringeworthy fact for some of us who are feeling old. All of us who are feeling old. Uh, but this was actually a voting option. And just with the batting down of schedules, and I'll take most of the hit on that. We we voted on this quite some time ago, and they're just getting around to it now. But this was uh, a voting option where our bread and butter, where we give voting four options. And... Uh, both lay fans and Patreon fans use their voting power to tell us what to watch and review. And we had a few options. We had Rising Sun, Last Action Hero, Three Colors Blue, but Jurassic Park came out ahead. And so that's what we're here to we're talk and review with the two lovely maters. I mean, I'm sorry, but is that really a surprise? 
Like, and the people voted correctly. Let's yeah, be honest. Like, I, yeah. You know, I, whenever we post the votes, I feel pretty, you know, we go in and we like try to match them up <laughs> as best we can and be like, oh, you know, what'll be an interesting, an interesting battle. Let's, let's put these films in the ring together and see what's going to mm-hmm. happen. And mm-hmm. uh, as I heard them read back out loud, I was like, <laughs> why did we bother? <laughs> it was closer than you think, but it was a clear winner nonetheless. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. It was yeah. It was a heavy match fight where only one half was the heavy match. <laughs> so uh, to put it not so delicately, why the hell is Aaron and Emily here? Like what, what? What's what is the the significance? I I don't really of know. Jurassic I, Park and- like I think I've seen them wear a Jurassic Park shirt a couple times, and I don't remember if it was Emily or Aaron. <laughs> we Sorry, guys, we both. may have made a mistake. We'll catch up with you next week. <laughs> <laughs> we got them at uh at uh Universal Studios. Oh, yeah. I I On legit didn't even know that. I have always known Emily to be a Jurassic Park fan. Yeah, big fan. Like that's just if I if I mm. if I had to write down a list of of Emily attributes, if I had like mm. t- twenty attributes to write down, it wouldn't that's be. Cool. I don't think it'd be near the top of that list. But it would. <laughs> as I reach like seventeen or eighteen, and I'm like running out of things to write down, <laughs> um, it it would probably make the cut. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Okay. It's and, not. Uh, it's not just a list of Emily's favorite movies. It's like a list of my attributes. Yeah, Jurassic <laughs> Park. Yeah, no explanation yeah, yeah, yeah. needed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Once you get past like nice uh, <laughs> <laughs> brown hair, <laughs> cool. uh, like Jurassic teeth. Park. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, so yeah, let's uh, let's do this now, Pete. Hmm. Once in a blue moon, mm-hmm. you have trivia. I do. <laughs> yeah. And, and not to sit, be a company man and promote the show, but on a new, uh, it's coming soon, Patreon episode, I believe I have a trivia question on there too. So I, just. We recorded that a week ago. I really don't remember. <laughs> did you? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. Oh, okay. So just to whet the appetite, if, uh, if anyone wants a bit more trivia, check it out. Mm-hmm. But I do have trivia for Jurassic Park. This was a movie that uh, I'm interested in, and I knew all of us were interested in, so I felt like, yeah, this is fun. So I've got some questions for us all. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how do you so, want to structure this? Right. Are we competing? Are we working together? Mm. Uh, I don't want to work together. <laughs> I think that's the only answer. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. True. Can can they be dialogue based questions? Can they be can they be questions about the dialogue in Jurassic Park? Just so <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Who was the first to blink in the opening scene? Yes. To bring people into the loop, Aaron is the most recent rewatch of this uh, film. If you can kind call of, it that, kind of. Yeah. He he watched through the exciting bits last night i i did i watched i watched uh with my finger on the fast forward button yes and Uh anything that was like anything that was remotely not tense i just skip yeah skip ahead 30 seconds that didn't involve blood and and destruction exposition skip exposition skip yeah he essentially did the equivalent of watching titanic but only putting the second vhs in (laughs) (laughs) it's not a bad way to go honestly (laughs) okay 
So okay. how do so, you? Is it just like the first person to answer? Are we? Yeah. We okay. All let me let me run through some some ground rules. So we'll do the trivia first. That's what we're going to do, and then we'll jump into our initial impressions after. And so with the trivia, I'm going to run through a quick couple tidbits that just to kind of warm up the the neurons just to get us going and then there'll be four questions where it will be free for all so uh whoever verbalizes a response first and the response is correct gets the the, gets the point so to speak i'm sorry i think my headphones are acting up did you say warm up the neurons or warm up the morons (laughs) <laughs> dealer's choice whatever okay. whatever you want to hear you can hear they're both similar and i just i wanted to make sure i understood the the temperature in the room okay that's fine so right. there's only so, three of us and you said morons plural so i'm just it could still just be well it could just be aaron and i yeah emily doesn't need any warming up <laughs> so uh obviously as we may get to later this film was booked on a on a story, on a book, on a novel, mm-hmm. and many studios put in a bid for the book rights so that they could make a movie based off this book. And obviously, uh, Steven Spielberg and Universal Studios won the bid and acquired the film rights. Mm-hmm. But apparently, amongst many of the studios and many of the creators that were along with those studios, one potential suitor was Tim Burton with Warner Brothers. Oh my! Weird. Oh, fun. That would have gone very differently. Like, I'm picturing like Sweeney Todd, yeah, mixed with <laughs> Jurassic era or Cretaceous era, and just yeah. I feel know. like it would have just been notably darker. <laughs> yeah. Not, not not even like literally, just like just metaphorically. <laughs> Just everything is dark. I'm kind of genuinely hoping that one of the studios was Disney and that they had a script that was like, (laughs) at some point, everyone thinks the T-Rex is dead, but only through true love's kiss. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So picture the film and the characters, but for Grant and Ian Malcolm, Mm -hmm. you've got Harrison Ford as Grant and Jim Carrey as Ian Malcolm. Oh. Oh, is that who Burton wanted to cast? No, sorry, this is separate. So just oh, okay. names considered. Once the like the project was moving forward, names floated Harrison around. Whether it was considered, whether they auditioned, you know, hearsay. But at some point, someone at least speculated that these people were thought about. So just okay. Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey as Ian Malcolm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm crazy about the Jim Carrey thing, but honestly, like... Harrison Ford would have been much different. Yeah. Than he would have made Neil, a great but, Grant. But mm-hmm. I think it would have been good yep. still. Like, I it can still worked. see yeah. this, like, yeah. you know, just kind of pissed off and over it kind of character. Yeah, he would just be like, everyone here is retarded. And just yelling at kids. Just, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, final tidbit, and then we'll get right into it. This one's for Brady, and you'll know why. Sean Connery was considered for the role of John Hammond before oh Richard Attenborough <laughs> was chosen. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. That's oh the only thing boy. that could be better is if, like, Nick Cage Spared was going to no play expense. one of the Raptors. <laughs> 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 there would have been no escaping that kitchen, but 
but yeah, Sean Connery would have been. I mean, obviously Richard Attenborough. Like you know, you, you that was that was inspired casting. But sure, uh, yeah, I'm just picturing this like, you know, I'm picturing in in the field when they first see the brachiosaurs and and Pete's Sam Neill's like joke, freaking it's out, a good one. It's and good. he's like, and he's like. How did you do this? And instead of <laughs> instead of the sweet melodic Richard Attenborough saying, "I'll show you," I'm just picturing Sean Connery. I'll show you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm picturing what I'm picturing is at the end when everyone just escapes for their lives. The helicopter doesn't come, and they're all just floating off on a boat. And he's like has women clad around him. Yes. Oh, it's <laughs> if it's a Sean Connery film, it, Jurassic Park would have had to have ended with Sean Connery having sex on a boat. That's there's only two women in this film. Well, <laughs> it's overwhelmingly male. Yeah. It is, well, actually. no. Hey, all of the dinosaurs are female. That's Hold true. back. <laughs> come on. Okay. That's okay. True. Sure. All Human right. females, I was referring to, but sure. Well, that's fair. Yeah. That's right. Okay, first question to he or she or whoever, if they all answer at the same time, answers it loudest. Where and, you know, if you know when. Sorry, sorry, sorry actually, let me rephrase that. I got it backwards. When. When, when, when. And if you know where, that's fun too. When was the first skeleton of a T-Rex discovered? Oh, good lord. This is not a Jurassic Park question at all. Well, it is. Uh, uh uh, no idea. 1731. Uh, channeling my inner <laughs> Dr. Geller. Um, I'm Dr. Geller. 1731. I don't know. Like S- Something interesting while you think about a date. Apparently, the reason I brought this up is it's quite interesting. The T-Rex that's used for the Jurassic Park emblem or, or, or symbol quite interestingly has like a couple flaws that are on it because the t-rex that they used for the image had like some dented in components like in its in, in its nasal areas and in different parts of the skull so like it, i got pretty deep into the weeds when i was looking at this but like it's actually not <laughs> resembling of a true like the line, lines and the lineations on a t-rex's skull well i think it's mm. i think it's been revealed at this like since jurassic park came out we've made so many discoveries that are like Right. Most yeah. of the yeah. dinosaurs in Jurassic Park like are wild, feathers wildly and stuff. That's true. Yeah, um, that's true. I think I think the 1700s is too early. I mm. like I wouldn't be surprised oh. if that's when we found the first dinosaur. Mm. But I highly doubt like if the first dinosaur bones you found was a T-Rex, everything after that would be such a letdown. It'd be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> great. Just leave it in the dirt. I'm going to say Maybe in the last hundred years. So, but but I'll go on the earlier end of that scale. So, nineteen twenties. Can I can sure. I say a decade? Is that sure? Cheating? Emily, do you want to kick in just to try and beat either of them? I honestly have no idea. Okay. I'll I'll just like this, aim in between. Is this prices right? And be rules? like, oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, I say one. zero dollar, one dollar, one AD. When I was, I, I'm gonna say, I guess Brady's the closest, but he went over, so I, I don't know how that oh, works. Damn. Okay. Uh, it was somewhere between 1902 and 1908, according okay, wow. to the American Museum of Natural History. It was 1902, where uh, in Montana, of all places. Uh, mm-hmm. The first skeleton was found, and then a few years later, in 1908, <laughs> a really complete, almost fully, um, you know, there uh, T-Rex uh, cor- corpse was found. 
Um, so prior to that, many pieces and teeth that they now know were from a T-Rex had been found, but just at the time, prior to that time, they didn't know what it was and that, you know, they'd find a tooth and not realize what species that was from. I adore the fact that you said Montana of all places, as if we actually <laughs> yeah. ever find dinosaurs anywhere other than Montana. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm, like, I'm not trying to be ignorant. Is that like a hot spot for? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's basically dinosaur central. I mean, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Montana and Alberta are. Oh, right. true. Like, Alberta. I've been to Alberta. So I knew that. Okay. That's, that's fair. That's <laughs> showing wait, my. Wait, 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 wait. You've been to Alberta. So you knew about all the. Di- I, there's a story here. <laughs> <laughs> What? It's, I don't know. It just seemed odd that you're like, oh yes, I I know all about the I know all about the dinosaurs oh, in Alberta. I've been to Alberta. I knew and I did, knew when about been to Alberta. Ha- and did Al- what? I knew Alberta was a hot spot because I went to there's this place in my mind. It was in the middle of nowhere, but it was a, a dinosaur museum. Oh, it was like okay. the royal. Yeah, it's a big one. What's it? Do you remember what it's called? I'd have to look it up. But, I couldn't um, tell you. Yeah. <laughs> It's just, it's, I, it's just, I, I don't know. I pictured, it. oh yes, I we were passing through Alberta on our way out to BC, and I found four of them. I wasn't even looking. <laughs> they were all alive. Yeah, I just like tripped on them on the way to the gas station yeah, one super day. Super irritating. Just like flopped over the road. I thought, yeah. <laughs> okay, so not to offend our Drumheller listeners out there, but it's the Royal Tyrell Museum in Drumheller, Alberta. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Second goes question. Half our listenership now. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Second question. This is more film theme related. How many Oscars did Steven Spielberg films win in this calendar year? So that is the oh, 66th Academy Awards. So that would have been for 1993 films. So I'm talking Oscar trophies that Steven Spielberg's name was tied to. Five. I'm not sure. I knew there were other. <laughs> Spielberg oh, what films came in from this year. Uh, I don't know. So Emily's on the board with five. Anyone else? Total shot in the dark, but I figured I'd give it. It's a, a good shot. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, twelve, which feels very generous. That's okay. but generous. I mean Steven Spielberg. We're talking had one that, year. Had that golden streak. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Brady. That. that that year that Steven Spielberg was good. Um, <laughs> uh, what came out early nineties? ET is the eighties, or maybe mm. yeah, like early eighties. Um, Hook is Hook is mm. early nineties. It is. Schindler's List is early nineties. Hmm. But the question isn't how many how many films won Oscars, is how many Oscars mm-hmm. overall. Yep. yep. Um Aaron said twelve, Emily said five. <laughs> I'm gonna give without... it to one of them if you okay. don't answer soon. Closest without going over, I'm going to say six. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I guess I'll give it to Aaron, but he was over, but he was the closest. <laughs> but, okay, uh-huh. so then did I win the T Rex thing? So, I think so, because oh, okay. you were the closest. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, 1993 was maybe good for some people. 1993 was a hell of a year for Steven Spielberg. So, if you ever feel good about a year, put it next to this year and feel like crap. 
Okay. Steven Spielberg not only had the highest grossing film of the year in Jurassic Park, but he won Best Picture in Schindler's List. Oh, I knew Schindler's, Schindler's List. List. I knew so, that Schindler's List was the other one because I was Steven watching. Spiel- Steven Spielberg just did this this like hour long interview with Stephen Colbert following mm. um, the Fablemans. Oh, and he talked about how like he when he got the script for Schindler's List, he like walked away from Jurassic Park. Like Jurassic Park was shot and it was in the mm. editing room, but he like left. <laughs> he like told the studio, "I'm out. I have to go make this film, and I have to make it now." And mm. so, like, the rest of Jurassic Park was left up to, like, the editors and producers and stuff because, mm-hmm. yeah, wow. he just, like, yeah. pieced out. Yeah, I freak, I knew well, that. Okay. Well, and from what I read, too, like, he was kind of, his hand was forced, not forced, but he, to do Schindler's List, I guess he was, like, kind of voluntold, you need to do Jurassic Park. And mm. so, oh, what happened was, uh, yeah, it worked out. He got 15 nominations for both films. Wow. 10 Oscar wins between wow. the two. So seven for Schindler's List, three for Jurassic Park. And the three for the film we're talking about today were all incredible technical achievements, so visual effects and sound. Um, but yeah, so what kind of piggybacking on what Brady said, yeah, he, he did the work on Jurassic Park, left to do Schindler's List, and was still checking in on, I don't know if it was weekly, daily, whatever, but he was like touching base, kind of finishing up Jurassic Park periodically while working on Schindler's List. And yeah, just how he described it, and it makes sense, just like a bipolar experience where you're you're working on this kind of monumental, <laughs> you know, yeah. intuitive, th- like well, this creative thing that's Jurassic Park, and then this really somber human tale mm-hmm. of Schindler's List and going back and forth would just be such an up and down, but... Now, um, it, do you was, happen yeah. to know if if those films, if either of them were nominated for the same award? I doubt it. I doubt it. Um, just because, let me see what Jurassic Park, I'm pretty sure all the Jurassic Park ones were technical achievements. Yeah. And I don't mm-hmm. think Schindler's List, I think they were more like best actor. I'm scrolling through it. So we got best picture, obviously. Uh, best director was for not Jurassic Park for Schindler's List, which he won. Um, best actor, Liam mm-hmm. Neeson was a nomination. So yeah, I don't think there was much overlap, to be honest. Okay, because I was just okay. picturing, like, I, I loved the idea that, you know how when they're, like, announcing the nominees, and then right before they, <laughs> yeah, right. Right before they reveal the winner, you've got that shot where they're all on screen. <laughs> 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 I just love the idea that he's on there twice and that, yeah, like, right. someone says, I don't know, like, <laughs> flip one of them. I, it, <laughs> invert one of the images. I, I I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, no, I don't think that happened. Okay. At a glance, anyway. Uh, the third question. So, I already told you Jurassic Park became the highest grossing film of that year. Mm-hmm. It also eventually became the highest grossing film of all time surpassing which of Steven Spielberg's own films for the same thing. So before that, there was a Steven Spielberg film that was the highest grossing film. What what film was bumped by Jurassic Park? It's got to be E.T. Emily's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I don't, we don't even get to guess. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I answered first. Yeah, I mean, she, <laughs> yeah, answered, she got those are the rules of the road. I was just courteous <laughs> yeah. the other times. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> I was thinking, I was like, what else is it? There's close encounters, but mm. that was before. Is that before? That's the one. Like, if you build it, they will come. Yeah. No. Right. That's Field of That's Dreams. That's Field of Dreams. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is no, Close Encounters, the one with the... <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen these. Is, the, close, is encounters. close Encounters it's the one with the mashed potatoes? Baseball player. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Close Encounters is the mashed potatoes. The mashed potatoes, okay. Where yeah. he builds the thing yeah. out of mashed potatoes. Okay. Do, 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 do. Yeah, yeah, okay. Aliens and stuff. I'm on yeah. board now, is, I got it. For bonus points, can we guess which film upended Jurassic Park as the highest grossing of all time? Which, sorry, oh. which? Which overthrew Jurassic Park? Oh. Yeah, which film? Um, is it a Steven Spielberg film? No. Hmm. It's... Star oh, Wars? Titanic next? Ooh, I mean, tit- right. if, if, yeah, I was yes. going to say, if Titan- nothing I was going to say Titanic, Titanic, but I thought that one was Steven Spielberg. Titanic is James uh, Cameron. James oh, Cameron. it's James Cameron, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not king of king of the box office. I'm not office, as versed in in the director yeah. world. Yeah. Clearly. So, okay. oh, wait. So mm. yes. because they haven't heard this, I want to very mm. quickly cuz this is sure. this this never gets old. This is never yeah. a, <laughs> this is never a tired thing. So, James Cameron. James okay. Cameron. Yep. Is the director of 3 of the top four highest grossing films of all time, Avatar, mm-hmm. Avatar The Way of Water, and Titanic. Three yeah. of the highest grossing films in history mm-hmm. are, are James Cameron films. The uh, Avatar, The Way of Water, was number one at the box office for six consecutive weeks. Wow. The last time a film <laughs> was number one at the box office for six consecutive weeks was 12 years ago when Avatar came out. Wow. Yeah. The last time it happened before that was in 1997 when Titanic came out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I saw the original Avatar like four times in the theater. And what really, in a very interesting way, what puts the top three or three of the top four into perspective is in the top four, the only other film being Avengers Endgame that yeah. that has the right, has earned the right <laughs> to stand amongst these James Cameron films is a film that took like 24 <laughs> yeah. entries and 25 A-list actors and like this, just this massive like 15-year journey to yeah. build it up to the point that it would uh-huh. pull in those get kinds of numbers to theater. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. But anyways, that's my that's my fun James Cameron Titanic thing. My last yeah. question. Before I do my last question, something that Brady, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong because I'm not I'm pretty sure this is something I heard, but No, it's false. If I'm looking if I'm looking at the top seven top grossing films of all time, mm-hmm. they have the commonality of technically all being under Disney corporations, isn't that right? Uh, they are, yeah. Which not mm. necessarily doesn't really mean anything other than just 
conglomerations being conglomerating? There are only, (laughs) there's, so listen, so listen, you want to get nuts here? Let's get nuts. There's only one film in the top 10 highest grossing films of all time that is not a Disney property. Which one? Uh, Jurassic World is number eight. What? Oh, it's not? It's not Disney. No, it's Universal. Oh, right. It's Universal. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Huh. Yeah. Everything else is Avatar, uh, Avengers Endgame, Avatar The Way of Water, Titanic. Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars. The Force Awakens, Avengers Mm -hmm. Infinity War, Mm -hmm. Spider-Man No Way Home, Mm -hmm. the 2019 Jon Favreau Lion King, (laughs) and then the first Avengers from 2012. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The Lion King did 1.6 billion. Worldwide. Wow. Hmm. Must have been a slow That's week. That's the live action one? <laughs> the live action. Well, it's technically not live action. It's still animated, but yeah. The okay, well, sorry. Live action-esque. <laughs> it's technically not, of course. Cause yeah. Te- yeah. Lions can't talk, but... Well... They can't? Uh, well... No, I, but that's not the determining factor, because Homeward Bound is 100% live action. Uh-huh. They're oh, still talking yeah. animals. Sure. But, yeah, neither here nor there. Anyway, yeah. okay. Anyway. Final question, then we'll, we'll move into the talking about JP. The popularity of Jurassic Park led the management of what sporting franchise to found which professional sports team in 1995? Oh, gosh. This is oh, the Raptors. Raptors. There you go. Ding, ding, oh, ding, ding. I, was too I had slow. to ask it. I had yeah. to ask it. Yeah. Oh, that's cool, that's though. Good. I mean, I didn't make the connection, but it, I, I mean, I guess that makes sense. It's a great mm, yeah. name. I just didn't There's know some how lame, the There are some Raptors lame sports were. team names. That's yeah. not oh, yeah. one of them. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like the last non-racist sports team name. That's <laughs> 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 so, uh, initial impressions. Um, Emily, you're, you're the reigning Movie Men podcast guest, so we'll let you go first wow, with I your see. initial impressions of the 1993 film Jurassic Park. Initial impressions. Am I supposed yeah, basically to remember just the like, first time I watched this? Well, no, it's 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 kind of like sum up sum it, up your position in a sixty seconds or less, and then we'll spend the rest of the episode kind of supporting that and, and backing it up. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. No pressure. Um I mean, yeah, it's in it's in my top three. It's just up there. It's so good. Uh, the animatronics just hold up really well. Like it's mm. funny how you're you were saying, Pete, that um, it won some Oscars for uh, technical kind of stuff. Um, the only thing technology wise that like doesn't hold up is the actual technology in the film. It's like there's CD ROM. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like oh that really really dated the film. Except for but the line the animatronics. <gasps> it's a Unix system. Not... I know yeah, this. it's a Unix system. That held that up. Stuff is yeah. just like. It's just no. You're like, oh no, this is painful to watch. But but the animatronics, they hold up and they still hold up. You watch this film today and you still go, this is this looks real still. Hmm. So it's just it's just. I mean, come on. There's so many good quotes. Uh, so many good like just nail biting scenes in this film. Like Spielberg just really milked some of those scenes <laughs> to perfection. You know the water glass and the 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 kitchen scene and the jello and the all of it. It's just like it's such a good film. I it's just pure joy every time I watch it. 
It's great. Mm. Love it. <laughs> it it seems fair to say based on that that Emily's favorite thing about Jurassic Park is vibrating liquids of gelatinous nature and <laughs> yeah. <or> otherwise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh Aaron, what are your thoughts on Jurassic Park? Uh I mean, yeah, going back to the first time I saw it, it was terrifying. <laughs> yes. Uh, Traumatizing. <laughs> like yeah, you go from I don't know. I think a lot of us had this experience who who grew up after it came out that we, you know, you grow up loving dinosaurs and you're like, mm-hmm. you know, a three-year-old saying, Stegosaurus! And then you want to watch the dinosaur movie and you you beg your parents and then finally, you know, when you're, you know, however old you get to before your parents finally give in and, you know, you're eight years old and you watch, uh, yeah, you get to watch Jurassic Park and you go... Oh my gosh, dinosaurs are terrifying. You watch the lawyer get get eaten off the toilet. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh but yeah, I mean, so, uh, I'm going to echo what Emily said and say like the in particular like the um how well they animated the fully CG dinosaurs. Mm. Um and like yeah, there's we've all seen the the behind the scenes of how they like Mm-hmm. how the how they puppeted those using you know puppet puppeteering artists mm-hmm. um but yeah so their movements are so stinking good mm-hmm. compared to anything that came out you know in the 10 years following like hmm. it was just it was decades ahead of its time mm-hmm. <laughs> okay yeah um i echo a lot of what they said i mean every so often in hollywood you get a film that comes out and it almost it almost warrants looking at it and saying, okay, well, that's cheating. Because <laughs> you've got Steven Spielberg, John Williams, mm. Sam Neill, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, Richard Attenborough. You've got Samuel L. Samuel Jackson. L. Jackson. <laughs> I mean, People forget about that Samuel, And Samuel Jackson, I'd say before he's really hit the scene. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, when and was, a, a um, number of special effects artists who are like at the top of their level, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah, the the puppeteering crews, the the um, uh, the animatronic crews, or like the A list teams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sorry yeah. to take over there, Brady. <laughs> no, no, all good. Uh, get out. Um, no, <laughs> it. Yeah, it. It. It's just. You know, and this is something I'll unpack as we go on, but it was Jurassic Park was the Star Wars of the 1990s in mm. the sense that what it like the ground that it broke mm-hmm. and the technology that it not only spearheaded and pioneered, but developed in order to create what it was that they wanted to create. Right, you can watch all kinds of things on like the screen test that they had to send off to the studio to convince the studio to let them do digital dinosaurs for some scenes, um, hmm. and and like the stakes that were there when everyone sat down to watch the test footage for the first time, and like, is this gonna can this work? Like, is this something that you're gonna buy when you see it? Um, hmm. And and it was. And you know what? Some of the visual, of, like some of the CGI shots don't hold up 100% just in terms of like 
maybe some some shading effects and and w- stuff that would be actually be very easy now to go back and remaster um mm-hmm. but yeah it's it's groundbreaking it's incredible it's it's yeah it's just iconic it's absolutely iconic pete what do you mm-hmm. what say you I like Aaron. I remember seeing this as a child. My babysitter lent, like their kid <laughs> lent the VHS to me, and I was too young. And I made it like the opening sequence, and then my the parents Raptors, shut yeah. it off because it was just <laughs> terrifying. Yeah, the opening scene is someone getting girl eaten who by a gets dinosaur. Eaten by, yeah, oh no! Wait, the her! opening scene shoot with her. Yeah. shoot her, yeah. yeah. But then there's the little girl too. You didn't even make it that far. Or is the little girl the second that's one? That's in the second I one. I think that's number two. That's, a, yeah. that's number yeah. two. On the beach. Yeah. Which um, is, listen, is, is that scene happens in the first <laughs> book. Yeah, so I nice. just listened to the first hour of the book. Yeah, and so no, you're not I noticed that. So I was like, wrong. wasn't that the second one? Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. it happens. And there's a lot of kind of cherry picking between mm-hmm. the two books that were done. <laughs> I'm excited to listen. I'm listening to the audiobook. That's cool. So I'm excited I've, to hear the differences. I've never read the book, so. Well, as a side note, and I'll give my initial impression, but I'm curious. I'm actually considering reading the book, too, and I'm intrigued because what I've heard, like I, I read this online, that apparently the final, I guess the book is what I'm trying to say, is way more violent than the film because apparently the film is quote-unquote <laughs> toned down from what the book, what happens in the book. So yeah. I'm just curious. I, an hour much... into the audiobook, I would agree with that. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> so, so honestly, and it's a 15-hour audiobook, according to <laughs> Audible, and I'm one hour in, and mm-hmm. I'm already like, yikes. So yeah. this will be fun. Yeah, because so, yeah, apparently thing is, the like... movie left out a lot of like exposition and violence, and so I'm just mm-hmm. curious how it's different than the film. Sorry, well, yeah, because you, like, you, can, you can get real graphic in a book... Mm. Yeah, and it's true. Not Some only, things are really hard to. Not only is that sort of you know is is a subjective thing because so much of that is left up to the imagination of how the the reader is visualizing it, but mm-hmm. also you can get real graphic in a book, and your your book's not going to suffer financially because your book landed an R rating and kids <laughs> couldn't go read it. Right. right, and so right. yeah, you're in order to maintain your PG thirteen film <laughs> rating. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, my initial impression: once I was old enough, totally watched this as a kid. My Hasbro toys that I had as a kid that I adored are a first hand account of that. <laughs> I mm-hmm. remember specifically. I didn't own this. I think it was at a friend's house or department store. I remember seeing this on Laserdisc, which was a thing. Um. But yeah, I feel like I feel like Titanic. This is a disaster movie that I enjoy the first half a bit more than the second half. Where in the first half you have a bit more splendor and awesomeness, and the second half is where things hit the fan and we learn our lessons. But mm-hmm. I feel like Titanic. This is a disaster movie with some more kind of underlying ethical questions that kind of challenge us, make it a bit more interesting than just your normal disaster movie, and. It is just a fund, like fundamentally challenging disaster of just having these practical and ethical dilemmas that you come when you coexist these two species that aren't naturally occurring at the same time. So I feel like that's interesting. 
the characters are so rich. And I, I heard this point recently when I was trying to come up with some trivia and things for this film. These characters are rich, but they don't really backlog us with too much exposition or, or background. So it doesn't really slow them down either. So they're they're rich, you care about them, and you know that they've got real human motivations and interests, but they mm. don't slow it down to get you to that point. So mm-hmm. from that point, it's a really rich kind of storytelling. But what I'd wrap this up on is I would agree with some of the points we've made where I've seen worse CGI in the past 10 years than from this film in certain projects, and maybe they're lower budget or not mainstream. But regardless, this in two th- or in 1993 was incredible compared to stuff I'm mm-hmm. seeing today. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it doesn't like take you out. Bad CGI will just take you right out of the moment, yes. right? Yep. I don't I don't find that even still watching this one later, mm-hmm. you know, 30, mm-hmm. 30 apparent yep. years later. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it just, yeah, you're just, you're just lost in it the whole mm-hmm. time. My so. my final thought for the initial impression, and it's more of sadness, is I really enjoyed seeing Titanic in 3D 4K. Wonderful experience. I would have gone a second time if I could have. And I heard from someone's review online that in 2012 or 13, whenever Jurassic Park 3D came out, Mm-hmm. That they preferred Jurassic Park 3D to Titanic as far as overall experience. So I'm a little sad uh, that that uh. Jurassic Park isn't getting the 30 year 3D 4K release, and I because I would hmm. so love to see that. Right. Yeah, you've you've heard me. You you do know that that's me, right? <laughs> that's, no, <laughs> I've heard that is a you. little birdie told me <laughs> that is for sure you. But okay. I've heard someone else say it. And oh, like, okay. I, I like, believe the things you tell me, but I also know your bias when it comes to Titanic and things no, no, that nature. Yeah, so so I mean, when someone else says it, I go, okay, what Brady's saying is true. Like, I, do, true. I do still think that Titanic was the better 3D theater experience, in my opinion. <laughs> sure. But my, sure. the second greatest movie theater experience I've ever had, um, right. because it had the same flawless... 3D conversion mm. where they were able to like nitpick and cherry pick and and you and I sort of landed on something when we did our Titanic review which was that it's our it's, second Titanic our, review. our Titanic 3D review yes. was mm. that so much of what made it an incredible 3D experience is that it was not shot with 3D in mind mm. and so 3D enhances it but is never the focus there's never right random shit coming at the screen for the sake of oh it's gonna <laughs> pop out and yeah. be amazing and yeah. but no i just wanted to clarify because you're it's it's when you were like oh, i heard from someone uh, somewhere on the internet and i was like i thought that you were <laughs> like me. being cute and like gonna turn it around and you know be like you know and that person happens to be and then you didn't and i was like I, Does he I'm actually sorry. not know that it's me that's talked about? This I, movie I hope the I didn't offend. I do know no, it's no. you, but I'm just saying you are not the only one who thinks this, which is a good thing. Like I'm saying, your opinion is aligned okay. with others. I wasn't, for the record, I wasn't seeking credit. Like I really didn't care. <laughs> okay. I was okay. just like, I just thought it was funny that maybe you had like Forgotten. not remembered where that had come from and were trying to figure it out. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, it's such a yeah. So it, well, let's talk about I like I said it, this is this is the Star Wars of at least the early 90s because to be fair 
1999 is The Phantom Menace, and The Phantom mm. Menace did all, like, love or hate that film, visually, the things that they achieved in that film were mm-hmm. were also decades ahead of its time. But, um, it, it, you know, the, the blending of practical and visual effects is mm-hmm. done so well. And it's something that I feel like there's going to be several moments in this review where I shit all over the Jurassic World trilogy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's a big pile of shit. That's one big pile of shit. Yeah, yeah. Every time I every time I watch one of them, I I do wash my hands before eating anything. Um, No, it it. But it's just it was so like. What they achieved, and like I said, it was like they had to, they had to do proof of concepts. That's how fresh any of this mm. was, mm. right? And so, like, it wasn't when they said, "Oh, you know, we're going to do this movie, and we're th- we think that some of the shots," because originally it was all going to be puppets, but then right. they realized that, like, in some of these moving shots, it just wasn't looking right, and and so. Mm. The thought was there that maybe, maybe this you know computer generated imaging technology had come far enough that that they could do something with that, and it wasn't like nowadays where you know the studio would go, well yeah you know of course you're gonna have CGI <laughs> like yeah you know it's dinosaurs running around eating people no it was there was serious pushback from the studio and hmm. and they had to prove to the studio. Like before, you know, to avoid the studio basically stepping in and shutting them down, they had to prove, no, no, we can do this. It's 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 going to work and it will look good. And so the <laughs> fact that they did that, but even like puppetry is not a new thing come time of Jurassic Park, right? Like these animatronics, the animatronics are incredibly impressive, but what was really nuts was the scale Mm-hmm. of the animatronics, particularly yeah. the T-Rex. Mm-hmm. Because it still looks, any of the shots that are... Those close-up practical, ones. Yeah, the close-up practical T-Rex, it is, it's bone-chilling. It's it's mm. so yeah. real. Mm-hmm. In a That's way why that the we, Jeep scene is just so tense. Yes. Because yeah. they had, they didn't just like have the T-Rex just rip in. It was this mm. slow burn mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and this like we're gonna we're gonna have it look into the side of the Jeep and we're gonna, you know, have it take a minute to notice that yeah. there are people in the Jeep and then we're gonna mm. have it, you know, roar really loudly before it starts, you know, mm-hmm. tearing around. And so yeah, it's the it's that tense like that tension that's created when we're looking at this thing in its eye. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and you you got to put your like, head your your head in the space of someone who'd be watching it mm-hmm. in '93, going, "Okay, that's a scale model," and they did a matte screen, you know, <laughs> yeah. the the dinosaur through the window, and then wait, the flashlight shining on the dinosaur is really convincing, <laughs> yeah, and then all of a sudden, bam, the entire note, you know, down through the roof of the car, and they go like. Oh. Holy shit! This is real. They got a real dinosaur for this. Like, like, <laughs> this is a size. Yeah. Like they've, yeah. So it's just, it's just so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and Emily, just piggybacking on what you're saying, I've we've seen this before with Jaws, 
This is what Stephen mm-hmm. does. It's just a it's a, a land animal this time where, you know, instead of the Donna Donna, mm-hmm. you see the water rippling and like building, like you're saying, building that tension to where it builds up to, but it's not just jumping out and doing it, it's building to that release. Mm-hmm. So a fun tidbit about this T-Rex scene is that it was although a lot of like the majority of the exterior shots of this film are shot on in Hawaii um obviously this this scene was shot on a sound stage the the nighttime where the T-Rex breaks out mm-hmm. yeah and so you know much like any sound stage you've got the the sprinklers that are simulating the rain and you've got your big T-Rex there and it was one thing to it was one challenge for them to get this the electronics within this this T-Rex to function <laughs> with that much water. Yeah. Um but they've talked about in like behind the scenes <laughs> stuff that the you know yes there's there's an electronic skeleton metallic skeleton underneath this T-Rex but his his flesh and and meat is foam latex. And mm-hmm. so they could only shoot for about 60 seconds at a time. This scene took forever because they would shoot for about 60 seconds at a time. And then the T-Rex would become so waterlogged that it went from weighing thousands of pounds to tens upon tens upon tens of thousands of pounds. And the animatronics stopped working. Like the, the actuators and the motors in it could not yeah. function because it was so heavy. And so th- they would shoot for like 60 seconds and then bring in dozens of these like industrial fans and these like oh trying gosh. to dry this T-Rex out. Yeah, what a nightmare. I, wow. I did hear about that and that's incredible. That is incredible because if you have to cut, if, if you have to cut a scene like that every 60 seconds <laughs> right. to have it come together the way that it did, and it feels so seamless. It's pretty incredible. That's that's a credit to the editors right there. Um, well, and it's also and just an insurmountable increase yeah. in in cost. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's not cheap to to yell cut and then have everyone standing around. <laughs> but um, the other real quick thing that I want to say because it ties into the rain that they used. So, sort of the the device that is set forth in this film that explains why the disaster occurs is that there's this tropical storm that's hitting the island, that is hitting (laughs) Isla Nublar. And that was somewhat improvised. That was them being able to roll with the punches. The reason why, like you even see the shot of of the waves crashing against the dock that they're all supposed to be going down to to get on the boat and mm. get the hell out of there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that That is footage that the crew took standing on their hotel balcony with like in, a crazy telephoto <laughs> lens while <laughs> the entire cast and crew were storm stayed in their hotels and unable to shoot because of a hurricane that hit. Hmm. Wow. Like that was not supposed to be, it wasn't originally supposed to be the story. And Hmm. so, yeah, they just kind of rolled with the punches. And then a lot of the exterior, that's why a lot of exterior scenes end up 
being shot. Like sometimes you'll see an exterior scene and it is an on-site location. And then sometimes it's a really good, really convincing soundstage recreation because they weren't done shooting and Hawaii (laughs) got decimated. And there was no way for them to, like, yeah, there was no way they couldn't use the locations anymore. Stuff had just been completely Hmm. destroyed and there was no electricity and there was no, like, yeah, it was, um, I wish I... What hurricane hit Hawaii <laughs> in 1993? Hold on to your butts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hurricane in in Niki? I N I K I. Oh yes, I remember that one. Okay. <laughs> what a time! Sure. Yeah, causing <laughs> classic. Causing five years old. Yeah, <laughs> causing three point one billion dollars in damage. Wow. Three point one nineteen ninety three dollars. Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah. It was That's, like a class uh, five hurricane. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So, hmm. Yeah. So I kind of feel like going off of what you were saying there, Brady, about like you know the whole reason this this all went south. I feel like we could, like, honestly, we could probably debate for hours about what actually went wrong here. Like, I feel like I've gotten into lively debates with people about mm. why why it all went south in this movie. The moral, like, who, the moral whose of whose shoulders hmm. do, does the blame lie on, or like, you know, what what possible plot holes are are there here and things like that. So I feel like I've heard people say things like, you know, oh, the the spared no expense line <laughs> is is such a plot hole because like yeah he, because everything's cheap and doesn't work and i go no no it's not a plot hole it's a lie <laughs> <laughs> like he just he's just a liar they, I, I think they, that he i think it's not the stuff that's crap it's that this employee felt that he was being underpaid yeah. but arguably like if an employee is disgruntled arguably there's certain circumstances where you can never pay them enough and he would have still exploited the park because he knew its weaknesses (laughs) or is this just a cautionary tale of paying your it guys properly i mean there's there's a lesson to be learned (laughs) there's many lessons to be learned i I think that's the 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 lesson here is to Pay your, pay your software guy. developers. Yeah, uh, and there's definitely no uh, 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 no uh. bias in my in my opinion <laughs> saying that. Uh, 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 like, you gotta pay your <laughs> IT guy. I feel like I feel like the IT guys at fault here, obviously, but I feel like there's probably some um uh some blame to go at John Hammond specifically, I- <laughs> and this is the plot hole of the whole like when they're problem solving. What are our options? And like, well, we can reboot the system and do this hail mary and do backflips and hope for the best and if the wind's blowing in the right direction it just might work mm-hmm. and then the 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 guy with like the socks up to his knees and the short shorts and the <laughs> the, the the tilly hat he's like robert well, muldoon <laughs> he's like why don't why don't we just follow through with the lysine gene fallback plan and if the dinos don't get this they'll all just collapse and die and john hammond's like no we can't do that Mm-hmm. And then, literally I, four seconds later, when they're like, "Well, we can't reboot the system; that's too risky." He's like, "People are dying." Yeah, yeah, yeah. He mm-hmm. he's yeah. a like, walking contradiction. Hammond is yeah. is is uh, the epitome of like everything wrong with 
with with the rich people you know <laughs> well, it's just I, I feel i feel like they painted him as like kind of santa clausy in the in the film <laughs> so i'm really interested to actually know what he's like in the book because i mm. i've heard I, i've heard that in the book he's he's really more the villain interesting so i'm very mm. i'm very interested to hear that so but yeah it, it, it's people call that a plot hole and i always come back with no no it's just a lie he's just a liar yeah, <laughs> he spared well, many and I expenses. Feel like <laughs> in this <laughs> this film, I think you're hitting on something. Like he's not really a villain in this film. He's just no. a flawed, maybe greedy, maybe blinded by ambition human yeah. being. Because yeah. it really hit me in probably one of the scenes that Aaron skipped because he was just chatting. <laughs> I I've never really paid attention to this scene before until I watched like paid more attention to it this time. Where Laura, I wrote it down because it kind of hit me. Where Laura Dern, it's like. You can't think your way... This is after everything's hit the fan and they're eating ice cream because it's melting. Laura mm-hmm. Dern says, mm-hmm. you can't think your way through this. You have to feel it. And John is just so blinded by everything that's happened. And I can kind of get this too. Like if you are just so passionate about something, and in this case, it's an inst- extinct, amazing accomplishment that they've been able to do. Mm-hmm. Instead of really just like acknowledging his failures... And going, this, you know, we have to move on. He's like, no, 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 we've le- we've learned what we have to do, and there's there's we, we, this is this is what we're going to do next time, and it's going to be better, and it's going to be improved. <laughs> and Laura's like, listen, you don't even have the respect for the things that you're meddling with, and it's mm-hmm. burned us. Like that's it. You need mm-hmm. to stop. And. <laughs> It's not till the end of the movie where he's like, yeah, this is ridiculous. So I I think just, yeah, he's not really painted as a villain. He's just painted as someone who's flawed and maybe a little bit blinded by his own ambition or greed you don't or whatever's hate him. fueling him. No. You definitely, no. you don't hate mm-hmm. him. No. You can blame All him, major but theme you parts, don't hate him. We made us hate All major made theme us parks hate, uh, experience breakdowns when they first opened. <laughs> the- Yes, John. Yeah. But when the Pirates of the Caribbean break down, the pirates don't start eating the guests. <laughs> yeah. It's just a flea circus. Yes. It's a flea circus. So good. Really, all we need is you and Malcolm quotes. God creates dinosaurs. God creates man. Man creates dinosaurs. Man destroys God. Man creates dinosaurs. <laughs> women women, and women inherit, inherit the earth. Dinosaurs eat I- man. Woman inherits the earth. There's a couple good yeah, feminist I, moments in that movie too. Well, I was hoping somebody else I, would I say most of that, and then I could be sorry. the one to say the end. But it I didn't do work out that way. I seem to think that there are some working. moments where, yeah, there are some moments where John Hammond, like if you think about this realistically, if you think about this logically, we see a small part of this operation, mm. a small part of of what would be a massive operation. Right, like there, there are all kinds of behind-the-scenes people working to make Jurassic Park a thing, and we dive into that more in the second film when we discover there was a site B, there was a a, a breeding island, there was you know this was this was mm-hmm. no Mickey Mouse operation, mm-hmm. and as John Hammond being you know sort of the the CEO of Jurassic Park, the head honcho, there are a lot of things that realistically and and not to John Hammond's fault would be delegated right there's John Hammond would lay out the way that things need to be done he would lay out the standard he would lay out the expectations and then the trust is put in to other people to see that come to fruition and there seems to be a couple of moments and I'm I'm not going to be able to come up with an example 
mm. off the top of my head. But there's a couple of times when shit's starting to hit the fan <laughs> where it feels like John Hammond is finding out that some corners have been cut and mm. that mm. things have not been done to the standards that he that he expected that he had asked for um mm. and not to like just just playing devil's advocate here right that like it, it's not unreal it's not unrealistic that John Hammond doesn't understand how the computer systems work right it's yeah. not unrealistic no. that John Hammond doesn't understand all the ins and outs of the of the safety procedures and the safety protocols that's not you know if you go to the ceo of disney parks doesn't understand all the insides and outsides because that's not his job his job is mm-hmm. to make sure that the park is entertaining and that you know like all of these things and so i do th- i it i i think the ultimate answer is that there's a lot of people to blame and there's a lot of things that lead to this. Does the storm play mm. a factor? Absolutely. Does John Hammond in his his reach kind of exceeding his grasp play mm. a role? Absolutely. Does the fact that this was that safety and making sure that contingencies for contingencies for contingencies were put in place the fact that that was crucial and maybe wasn't done by the people it should have been done by, does that play a role? Absolutely. Does does um, Wayne Knight's character, um, uh, Ned, does Ned play a role in, in his sort of money-hungry double agent, you know, slugworth in the, the world of, of Willy Wonka role? Does that play a play a part? <laughs> Absolutely, right? Like there's so much there's just so much there. Um and you know, and ultimately like the message is is that this is what happens when you play God. This mm. is, you know, you you and your team of scientists were so you were so preoccupied with whether or not you could, you didn't stop to think about whether or not you should. There it is. Right? <laughs> and and that your achievements, that what you've done here, the problem is, is that it didn't take any discipline in order to achieve. You stood on the shoulder of other people's achievements. <laughs> right? And that's, and, and it's, it's, they're like cliche Jeff Goldblum lines, but they're so solid for, yeah. for a good yeah. reason. Right? The only Even reason life finds a way. is just because we've all just repeatedly said them over and over. Yeah. They've been memed and mm. gift to just just yeah. oblivion because they are good. It's because just, they were so good. They're yeah. just good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Must Even go life faster. finds a way. Like everything he says in this film faster. is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and but, either hilarious or very profound or <laughs> something. It's just, we love, we love him. Yeah. So good. So good. Um, obviously, the music's incredible. The I mean, music it's John is, Williams. Well, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's almost cliche. And if you're scoring it, whatever section you score the music, you're probably giving like a six out of five or an eleven out of ten. Yeah. Just because <laughs> you, you you go from the awe at the beginning of the fascination and like overwhelming happiness and excitement, mm-hmm. and this music takes you there, and then it does its job at the end of the film where you're seeing like dinosaurs eating people alive and so you just get suspense and terrifying it does everything you need it to 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it is terrifying. So I want to touch on something that Aaron introduced to us in his initial impressions, which is that <laughs> it's a scary movie. Like it's yeah. it's yeah. frightening. And mm-hmm. I think this is something that this film does really well. I think the sequel, The Lost World, does really well. Yep. Jurassic Park 3 still achieves it, although there's a lot of issues with that movie. Um, and a, a side mm-hmm. note, I... Uh, kind of like Emily, I'm not always the best on like, oh, this director was with this project and this one was that with that project. So just a couple days ago, I realized still, so yeah, Spielberg was with one and two, which makes sense. He did the last. He World, was yeah. not. Yeah, he was not the director of number three, which no. in hindsight, mm. maybe it's confirmation bias, but I'm going, yeah, that checks out. Mm-hmm. Well, and it doesn't it doesn't look or feel like a Spielberg thing. No, like it's just it's got no. a whole different. Kind it's of a, feel yeah, to it. it's a really different vibe. But yeah. something that yeah. these films do well that the the sequel trilogy, Jurassic World, <laughs> failed to do. Um, and it was my it was my gripe about Jurassic World. Like when everyone was losing their minds over Jurassic World. Um, mm-hmm. I and I had just as much fun as the next person in the theater, but I didn't find it rewatchable. I didn't I didn't want to continue to go back to it. Um, <laughs> and it just continued to like they just continued to move further away from this aspect they kind of touch on it a little bit in the final film but that film was a a complete hot mess um is that in this film the stakes are we are lost in the jungle not Mm -hmm. only are there dinosaurs and that's terrifying and awful (laughs) but we're also lost like we're we're we don't know how to find our way back. Mm-hmm. And so we don't have any amenities at our disposal. We don't have the ability to, to like, we're not on our own turf. We're not on friendly turf. And mm. the sequel does that really well and takes it one step further because they're actually trapped on the island. They're mm-hmm. there without any sort of parenting corporation figure that's there that's just going to airlift them out as soon as they make it back to... <laughs> To the yeah. resort, right? <clears throat> the third one also does it. They're there alone. They're they're trying to make the satellite call to Laura Dern's character, but the damn dinosaur ate it and like, you know. <laughs> but and then we reach and then we reach Jurassic World. And and this is something I've been saying since day one when Jurassic World came out. In Jurassic Park, it's we're lost and we're gonna die. <laughs> In Jurassic World, it's we're going to get sued out of our asses. <laughs> like that is that's ultimately the big threat because they've got helicopters there. They at yeah. any point they can just get the hell out but of I dodge. Mean, but they did toss a little bit in there though like with the two with the two kids who who end up kind of trying to escape on their own but a little I, here's a my little. experience with it's Jurassic World if we're gonna mo- if we're gonna move over there for a second sure let's yeah I I was definitely a- along with everybody else with the I'm losing my mind over this film when I first saw it in the theater I was just like this is the best thing ever but then mm. I went to watch it the second time and I realized without all those twists that you didn't yep. see coming the first time, mm. 
it kind of falls a bit flat. And so mm-hmm. I kind of, I had these rose colored glasses on and it wasn't like I was like, oh, this is better than than the original. I never thought that, but I was happy. I was, I was gen- like, at first I was genuinely pleased with what they did with the franchise. But, and I, maybe you remember me saying this. It was the second time I watched it that that I realized this film doesn't stand up as well as I thought it might mm-hmm. because without those those couple twists and turns um it's kind of like oh yeah, yeah. the biggest yeah. moment this, of this jurassic maybe world so is so rewatchable <laughs> the biggest the biggest moment of jurassic world is realizing that the indominus rex is part raptor yeah that that's is the, the big one that's the oh shit moment that was and the so big as one. soon as that's gone yeah then you're like why well, you know yeah. whereas Jurassic Park doesn't depend on any twists. No, it's just it's just good, yeah. good writing, good directing, good and tension. It just, mm-hmm. You just mm-hmm. enjoy it every time you watch it. There's no, yeah. there's nothing yeah. that's kind of ruined for you because you've already seen it. So yeah. yeah, that's that's for sure true about about Jurassic World. <laughs> Pete and I really crapped on Jurassic World. <laughs> <laughs> disappointment or whatever Did that we ever <laughs> disappointment and it was just like because it was like I, there was so many things where it was like uh, you know it wasn't until about a third of the way through the movie that i realized that the final chapter in this dinosaur franchise was a movie that's not about uh dinosaurs <laughs> that it's like you know that the big threat here is actually this prehistoric locust that is being created by this greedy corporation, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then just the ending of that film was so ridiculous because it was like, you know, everyone made it out safe because the film starts and it presents this issue. The issue is that in the state of the world, there's dinosaurs roaming free and they're showing up at baseball games and eating grandma. Like it's it's this, <laughs> it's chaos and we're no longer the highest in the food chain. And it's like, it's this real issue. And then a second issue gets presented, which are these locusts. And then come the end of the movie, we deal with the locusts and, and that's no longer an issue. And then everything's fine and we all lived happily ever after in the credits roll. And I'm like, but hang on a second. But, There's still yeah. raptors afoot. Like, <laughs> that was the final afoot. chapter. And there was yeah. a big Fairly thing alarmed that you here. didn't deal with. Yeah. You didn't like, deal with the problem. Uh-huh. Exactly. Like, we now they now live in a world where you're going to give your kid an extra kiss before they go off to school every day because you don't freaking know. Like... <laughs> Yeah, no, it's. It was, I honestly would have loved so if they just fast forwarded <laughs> another like ten years, where humanity is adjusting to the fact that we are not the top of the food chain anymore. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. show me, show me the armored, mm-hmm. um, uh, like combines. Mm-hmm. I want to see like armored <laughs> farm equipment, and you know, like the. With the turrets on top of the tractors. Yeah, the biggest like, threat to your like, to your livestock is raptors and t-rexes i want to i want to see that post-apocalyptic future (laughs) i think if you want to see a a combine with a turd on it you can see that in florida well because quite clearly now it's been presented to us that the six jurassic park films is just a prequel series to the mad max universe because that is (laughs) i'm here for that ultimately where that ends up Mm -hmm. i dig it yeah (laughs) 
Oh man, Jurassic Park. It's just, it's so like from a merchandising standpoint, like I went to, I've been to Universal, the same Universal Studios in Orlando that, that Aaron and Emily went to. Um, and, you know, Universal, I've always said several things about Universal. Number one, Universal is not an experience that you should, but I would argue can do in one day. Mm-hmm. You don't plan a day trip to Universal Studios. No, yeah. And not just because of the length of the lines, just because there's so much to do. Um, especially if, because the park's broken up into two parks. There's the experience side, and then there's the adventure side. The adventure mm-hmm. side is more of your stereotypical theme park with the roller coasters and rides and everything else. Whereas the experience side is more like, um, like the Twister soundstage was there, and... Oh gosh, that one yeah. was so good. It was so good. Yeah. And all these like different a, movie sets and a Jaws like boat ride and an ET mm-hmm. ride and like but they're less they're not Jaws roller coastery. They're just really immersive. Mm-hmm. But even the adventure side, the the theme park side is broken up into several sections. So you walk in, you head to the right, and immediately you're in in Dr. Zeus land, right? Everything is is like straight out of Cat in the Hat. And it's incredible. It's a lot of fun. And you walk a little bit further and you end up in this, um, it's it's just like mythology. Like it's not, I don't think it's actually based on any specific property, but it's like temples and, and you mm-hmm. know, just kind of like an explorer thing. Now there's the Harry Potter section past that, which was not there when I went there, but I, I believe... You could see while I was on a roller coaster called Dueling Dragons, you could see that they were building something. And I now know that that was the Hogwarts castle. Yeah, we hmm. did the Harry Potter um, ride. Yes, right. about okay. half of it was there when we were there. Yeah. Uh, so we did the one yeah. that had the 3D stuff. It was like a, it was a ride, but it had these immersive elements to it. Yeah. And uh, I just remember like... I, I just remember enjoying the experience itself and Aaron just like trying to figure out how it worked. <laughs> yeah. He was literally just like looking around and up and down like at his feet, like how does this, how is this thing moving? What is in front of us? Like yeah. there's there's a situation with the with the tree. What's the tree called again? The Oh, the Whomping Willow. The Whomping mm-hmm. Willow. And uh you really feel like that thing's gonna hit you in the head. Like you're mm-hmm. you're really just like that thing is coming from my head. Mm-hmm. It's not real at all. <laughs> Like so, there's, but yeah, that's pretty, what happens. Pretty you, amazing. That's what happens if you walk in and go to the right. If you walk in and go to the left, the first <laughs> thing you're hit with is like a Marvel comics thing. Not like the MCU because obviously that's Disney, but it's like there's a Captain America walking around. There's a Spider Man walking around. All of the storefronts have like comic strips on them. It's very like superhero-y. Past that, there's a a cartoon world thing like. Dudley Do Right and Popeye and stuff like that. But at the very back of the park that you reach in either direction, but is is as you walk in, in the whole the whole park's kind of built around this big lake. And if you look across the lake, the first thing that you see when you walk in across the lake is that Jurassic Park style visitor center mm-hmm. building. 
sitting mm-hmm. across the water. And it's amazing because yeah. as you're as you're walking through these other sections and experiencing these other sections, that Jurassic Park, you're, you're really walking through these sections simply to get <laughs> to that Jurassic <laughs> yeah. Park yeah. building. And yeah. it is the Jurassic Park section. And this is just a testament to the film, which I guess now they've they've like renovated that whole section and turned it into a Jurassic World section, which... Hmm. Mm. sucks but um (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it it is like it's just it's everything you want it to be like the Mm -hmm. nobody at universal especially in the jurassic park section wears a universal studios uniform there's no such thing the people in the jurassic park section are wearing jurassic park they're not (sighs) universal employees they're jurassic park employees Mm-hmm. And, yes. and, they, and there is a T-Rex, and I think it, we have a picture with it. Yeah. You, do. you don't have to find it right now, because this is just a podcast. To. Yes. Well, no, <laughs> but, I just want But, but there is it, a picture so. where where one of you, Aaron's yeah. just standing there like a doofus, and Emily's screaming and trying to save his life and pull him yeah. away. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Classic. But then That's there's great. there's great. A, like there's also an animatronic, there's like a log flume ride where... There's like a T Rex. Go and through like, the gate. Oh I think, yeah, and it's right? like alarms are going off and sparks are flying, and there's mm-hmm. like the little the 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 compies um, that are like mm-hmm. fighting over someone's torn up bloody shorts, and it's like mm-hmm. oh, but it's just it's so good, and it's just it's that's yes, it's a testament to Universal Studios, but it's also a testament to the film mm-hmm. that all of these other sections of Universal Studios are built off of franchises or comic universes or all of these different things. The Jurassic Park section is, there's nothing in there that's like explicitly the Lost World themed or Jurassic Park 3 themed. For the longest time since its inception until it was recently renovated, it was based off that first film. The first movie, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was just the park. They just they just kind of made the park. Yeah. yeah. And, and made it like a park. To do yeah. that, to have mm-hmm. an entire section of this massive, incredibly expensive to get into <laughs> theme park <laughs> yeah. based off of one film. One film. Hmm. Like it's just it's it's yeah it's nuts it's absolutely nuts. Well, does anyone else have any other Jurassic Park thoughts before we get into scoring this thing? <laughs> I don't think so. not for my part. All right, Emily, on a scale of zero to ten, how would you rank Jurassic Park? Huh? I I forgot that you always ask this. So I, I hadn't thought about it beforehand, but I just really instinctively want to say like eleven. I just love it. Oh <laughs> I man! Just, I just love this film. I said I told you guys it was in my top three. So like you know, it's just I don't. I see no faults. I just don't. What's it's your just, favorite line it's from just the fun. film? I was good. I was going to ask that. I was going to ask everybody else that. There's so many good ones. Uh, but I think clever girl for me is pretty up there <laughs> yeah. because I, I just think that scene is this fun mixture of like, this guy's going to die, but he's like not mad about it. 
Yeah. Do you think right. he? Like, so do you think he knows animal. he's going to die, or does oh, he, he fully knows, he's, knows he's, he's going to oh, yeah, die? He knows he's, he's, knows he's toast. Absolutely, <laughs> and know. and that's why he says it because yeah. he's just like you mm. tricked me. He's you know, he's, he's, and he but he's got this like reverence, yeah, for this this creature yeah. that he knows is just going to be his demise, and it's just mm. the that that very small moment. It's a very small moment in the film, but it's a classic. Yeah. Mm. It's yeah, a good one. He's he's paying his not paying his respect, but he's he's like he's tipping mm-hmm. his hat to hit to the victor because he mm. knows yeah that yeah. that he's been out hunted. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really good. Aaron, what would you give this film and what is your favorite line? <laughs> the guy who said I... all the lines. <laughs> <laughs> uh I, I don't want to give it a 10. I want to give it like a nine, but I'm trying to think of why I'm not giving it a 10. Because no reason. I like <laughs> it's, it's from the era of movies where we actually put thought and effort into good writing mm-hmm. and like a storyline that makes sense. But it was also such a breakthrough movie with, um, I mean, yeah, the CGI was a decade ahead of its time. The puppeteering of the 3D models <laughs> was was something that they put a lot of effort into doing really, really well, and it shows, and every other film just cheated on that, and they're like, ah, just, you know, use your computer and wiggle your mouse until it looks right, like, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> where, <laughs> like, where in this movie, they built, like, three little, um, little puppet dinosaurs so and with actuators and with sensors on them so you know you wiggle the tail and you had a reading for you know what that part of the tail was doing and then you use that in your cg your in your 3d model um Mm -hmm. so you had just really realistic movement um yeah like just really excellent just give it a 10 I'm, I'm gonna give it a nine, <laughs> and I'm, I'm not totally sure you're just, why. But you're, you're just that guy who just can't. He you ten doesn't I, exist, I'm, does it? I don't know. Yeah, I, I have too much nostalgia attached mm. to whatever my ten is. That, okay. Um, well, what's your favorite line then? I think my favorite line, the, the line I'm gravitating right now to, is when they they get the power back on. And the uh, oh, the girl yeah. goes over to the computer and she's like, "It's a Unix system. <laughs> I know this." And of she gets she would. gets the she gets the locks working. She and, saves the day and saves the day uh, because yeah, she's just like a frightened girl the rest of the time. But yeah, she's like, "Oh yeah, I'm I know computers." <laughs> she just yeah. takes over <laughs> and saves the day. Uh, yeah, I'm just a big fan of that. <laughs> Pete, on a scale of zero to ten, well, you know the drill. Yeah, I know the drill. Um, I gave it an eight out of ten. I'm really toying with giving it a nine, but I landed on an eight. Incredible movie, incredible accomplishment for its time. Really wish I could see it in 3D right now in in a theater somewhere. Mm, Yeah. As far Mm -hmm. as my line, it just depends on the day you ask me. There's so many. I feel like it's either hold on to your butts or... (laughs) um, Maybe the 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 which was based off something they told the, the like the CGI animators when they were coming on the job versus like the claymation people, the whole Ian Malcolm line where where Grant says we're out of a job and uh, <laughs> Malcolm says you mean extinct? You're extinct. <laughs> yeah, I think you mean extinct. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, my only plot hole that I didn't mention, and then I'll ask Brady what you thought. I also think it's just such a huge conflict of interest where Hammond is getting trying to get someone to endorse his park and sign off on it, but he's like funding their dig for the next three years and flying them around on like like first class everything like that just seems like a huge conflict of interest to me well i mean there's already been a death and so he's a little desperate to <laughs> yeah <laughs> brady what do you give this out keep of the bloodthirsty lawyers at bay <laughs> uh I, Which given... I didn't even know at the time but this is my first introduction to lawyer jokes yeah oh. yeah yeah was it that's good um I give it a 9.5 out of 10. I think it's it's fantastic. It's Mm. exciting. The only Mm -hmm. reason I give it a 9.5, and maybe this is blasphemous, I actually prefer the second one. Interesting. Uh, Yeah. That's a curveball. Uh, (laughs) I don't know if I'd call that blasphemous. The second one's solid, but... The second one's just so good. Like, you know, because my favorite character is Ian Malcolm. The Lost World. The second one is, yeah, the boy who... Gets lost. Yeah. yeah. So getting and the birdcage. No, that's the third one. No, no, that's the birdcage is the third one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it. Yeah. It's. It's just so. It's so good because my favorite my favorite character is Ian Malcolm, and we get a lot more. Obviously, Ian's the main mm-hmm. character mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. And there was something about like one of one of the gripes about the Jurassic World franchise that, you know, now we're not at the island, you've taken it away from the island, and now it's like dinosaurs in everyday society, and that just kind of like doesn't feel like it's in the spirit of Jurassic Park, whereas this one did it properly. Like when the T-Rex gets loose in San Diego, it's the end of the mm-hmm. film, it's just kind of the climax, and... And yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's so fun. It's fun. The two T-Rexes that are pushing the RV over the edge of the cliff and, <laughs> and Ian that, Malcolm going, yeah. mommy's angry. Like, cause they've got the baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so good. My favorite line from Jurassic Park, and I'm so glad that nobody else said it. It's just a moment that I think is so clever is right at the end of the film. When they've been rescued, you know, the T-Rex is, is done as roar and the, the banner <laughs> falls down mm-hmm. and, you know, all that stuff happens. And they run out, Alan Grant and, and um, Laura Dern, I can't, what's, Ellie Sadler, runs out with the kids and they get in the Jeep with John Hammond. And the mm-hmm. first thing that Neil, or that Neil Grant, Alan. that Alan Grant says to John Hammond is, Mr. Yeah. Hammond... After careful consideration, I've decided not, not to endorse your park. And John Hammond says, as have I. <laughs> it's just this, like, it's this moment where, yes, like, everyone's everyone's on the same page. Everyone yeah. goes, this was a shit show. This was, this was a terrible good. idea. This was not yeah. good. Well, uh, this is typically a question that I would ask everyone individually, but I feel like chances are Aaron and Emily's answers are going to be the same. So, Aaron and Emily, what did you guys watch this week? <laughs> I watched several well, Tuesday several parts of uh, of this film of Jurassic Park. I watched <laughs> I watched everything parts. except the dialogue. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, last night. So. Well, I just recently introduced Aaron to Dirty Dancing. I don't know if it counts as this week, but he hadn't seen it. Yeah, I'd never seen it. Juicy. 
So we had to fix that. <laughs> the other yeah. Patrick Swayze movie. <laughs> <laughs> the other Pat, yeah. Um, but I do I have time for movies? No. Have you, I watched any movies in the last week? We we might watch like an episode of something. Yeah. Mm. And then your toast. We're yeah. Working hard. <laughs> yeah. I finally got around to watching the new Top Gun. Yes. Uh, and wow, the like the sound design on that one is really good. I got about halfway through and had to switch to headphones. And I wished I had watched the entire thing in headphones because it was just like, ooh, this is good. Yeah. <laughs> ooh. It Everything. won. It won for sound. Sound. It won yeah. the Oscar for sound. Yeah. It's a really it? fun film. It's really fun. That Can you fun. believe that that film did not get a nomination for cinematography? Ugh. Like, Ugh. come on. To have shot all that practically by developing a camera that would fit inside the jet like it's right? just it's just nuts <laughs> it's nuts yeah pete what'd you watch this week i wish i watched top gun too but i watched a couple other things um so i watched uh, a 2020 film called another round it's a danish film starring mads mickelson so if you've seen casino royale the chief you might remember him Mm. Um, it's kind of a unique film where these four high school teachers try this experiment and they document everything they do and they consume alcohol on a daily basis to maintain a certain level of blood alcohol content to see how it influences their social and professional lives. That's why I do and it. <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know what? It was interesting. I... I gave it, I think, a six out of ten. It wasn't uh, as um, ex interesting or moving as I thought it would be, but it definitely tackled this interesting concept. And I feel like it's a kind of a dangerous topic to cover, just because you can really get into some heated topics of substance abuse and uh, you know drug and alcohol dependency and different things like that. And I feel like the film did a good job not labeling, not um uh judging not not um having any preconceived notions and it still was able to tell the story that they were trying to tell without kind of getting to like offensive or or uh judgy so it was an interesting story uh i probably wouldn't watch it again but it was captivating and it was interesting and i do like mads mickelson so it was entertaining to watch that um the other films that was like the best of the films that i watched the rest were just kind of throw it in because i wanted something light um so shout out to emily mater um <laughs> who is on this show with us right now emily uh, you had you had this social media post recently that it was like pick your top three favorite films in this category and it was like romantic kind of chick flicky films mm -hmm. and my wife was like hey you haven't seen most of these let's watch them and so we've been like checking them <laughs> off one by one and That's a lot amazing. of them were actually hidden gems, like uh, oh, yeah. John Carter Must Die really hit with me. I was That, <laughs> that landed way more than I thought it would. It was hard um, for everyone in in the comments, and I had a lot of comments on that post. That was a you popular did. post. It was hard for people to pick. <laughs> it's yeah, a list. It is. That's fun. Um, so one of them that we, we uh, scratched off the list was Miss Congeniality. I'd never mm -hmm. seen it. Obviously, Sandra Bullock. And mm -hmm. um, how do you pronounce his name? Is it uh, Michael Caine? 
Uh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> it, it, I have to say, there's a lot of the films that on this list have really hit with me. Miss Congeniality, I gave it a five out of ten. It was very meh for me. I mm-hmm. wasn't as funny or heartwarming as I was wanting it. There was a couple moments where I was just like, Ugh. so. Mm-hmm. It was fine. I've seen it. I I get the pop culture references now, and I, I don't think I'll ever have to come back. The last thing I watched was a movie I had incredibly high hopes for, and it was a 2014 film called They Came Together, starring Paul Rudd, who I just love, mm. starring Amy Poehler, starring um, Colby Smulders, Bill Hyder, um I think that would be most of the familiar names. Randall Park was in it. A uh, lot of famous, famous people. And, you know, it really started out with a high trajectory for me. It was really self-aware. It was playing into romantic comedy tropes. And just kind of like how Scream is aware of the horror tropes and it fuels its kind of narrative. Mm-hmm. They Came Together was doing that. And I, like, laughed out loud. I hooted and howled. And then almost like a third or a halfway through the film this film had a real identity crisis and it turned from Mm. like a really smart, really self-aware film playing on tropes to instead turning into like a raunch com to then also (laughs) just being really slapstick and awkward. And so it just like was such a fun premise to start and like fun actors that I liked that I was like, wow, how have I not heard about this film? And then by the time the film ended, I went, that's why I've never heard of this film. It just (laughs) really, it just, was really pulling itself in a lot of different directions. And if it had stayed with the really smart tone that it had start with, started with, I would have been recommending this. So I gave it a five out of 10. Wasn't great, but it wasn't, it wasn't incredible. So that, that's what I watched this week. Brady, what cool. did you watch? Um. Well, we've been continuing through watching the Simpsons over here. Uh, mm. And so that's, that's ever ongoing. Uh, the other thing that I said we were working through was watching through the entirety of the MCU in timeline order. Um, so mm-hmm. in the events, in the order of the events happen within the story, not the order of release. Um, and so in the past week since we last talked, I have watched The Incredible Hulk with Edward Norton. And I have watched a little film called Avengers from 2012. <laughs> so, <laughs> a little film called a Avengers. Little film. And appropriately, the same day that I watched Avengers, I had shawarma for lunch. So that's um, <laughs> that's good. You know, very good. Felt, you uh, should felt necessary. Should, yeah. yeah. And I think that's it. Yeah, I don't think I've watched any other movies. No, no, that's it. Okay, Pete, wrap this up, sir. Well, thank you. First and foremost, thank you, Maters Squared, for joining us today. We do appreciate it. And it's nice having you guys on just in general, but not just waiting till it's a milestone episode. So thank you both for joining us. Thank you. And yeah, thank it was you an honor. Us. We'll have to do it again in another 30 years when Jurassic Park turns 60. Well, <laughs> it is worth noting, and we should probably, you know, just like, I've, this maybe this seems like a bold assumption, but we're like, uh, we're less than 15 episodes away from, 
from episode 300. So <laughs> one yeah. or both of you should expect a call. <laughs> we don't Sounds know how great. to do milestones without you. Gotcha. <laughs> Yeah. But thank you all for joining us today, whether you like Jurassic Park, whether you like Brady and I, whether you like the Maters, whether you like all three, two out of the three, whoever you, whatever brought you here today, thank you for joining us. Check out our socials below, like, follow, subscribe wherever you can, rate and review us positively wherever you can. Check out our Patreon page, merchandise page, ways for you to support the show, ways for us to give you some perks back. Perks such as increased voting power, such as the occasional uh, bonus episode, which we'll be dropping uh, in the near future, which uh, just we do appreciate all our Patreon supporters for helping helping us keep the coal and the, the stove and the, the lights on and just all those things that you have to do to keep a podcast rolling. And um, yeah, in, until next time, um, hold on to your butts. <laughs> and remember life uh finds a way <laughs> <laughs>